Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are Live from the Path. Listening to live from the path. We're coming here from the uh, Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. It's good to be with you. I was afraid that you were going to drop big news on me, like you were you were leaving the show. <laughs> you left a, a very long pause, and I thought either he's going to say, "Look, I got some bad news. I'm leaving the show," or you were just going to get up and leave. <laughs> And then we would have been some in the streets. Shoot, I didn't mean to create, like, excessive drama. There was tension, definitely. Oh. Okay, well, I'm going to keep that in mind for next time. That makes me feel good. I, I know how to I know how to set a scene. Uh, I know how to deal in a moment of consequence. I am the man. <laughs> too, Bold, indeed. Too, too much? <laughs> All right, you're listening live from the path. Thanks for hanging out with us so far tonight. I uh, really do appreciate it. The show is going to go uphill. Uh, because Jane Block is in the studio. And then it's going to go downhill. Uh, because Mike and I are also here. Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing I can do about that. That's the nature of the program. I'm the guy that unlocks the doors. Hey, I feel like we're gonna investigate ChristianHeadlines.com. <laughs> we're at least gonna fish them, Ben. Okay, all right. So here's here's what's on the the docket for the show today. Uh, we're gonna randomly fish uh, ChristianHeadlines.com. Okay, now here's I, how did you come across that site, Mike? Because I googled <laughs> Christian news. Here's the thing: it's like we've been doing the show how long? Been seven, eight years now? It'd be eight years this year. Yeah, eight years. Yeah. Here, in our minds, we, we've covered almost every topic known to man. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, we've already hashed through it, we've talked about it, and so it, it leaves only current events and, like, the political landscape. Uh-huh. And both of which are detestable to me. It's just really, <laughs> we, I mean, really, it's just going to be, we're going to battle it out for, like, 45 minutes. And so it's really hard to find fresh content. Most of our content is derived from from a text written a long time ago, <laughs> yeah, you know. That's true, yeah. I know it, not to say, which is the reason we bring in guests, right? The reason we like to have guests in is because God is a living and active God, and He does big things in big worlds everywhere, and He and and, and the Holy Spirit is moving throughout the world doing crazy things. But if they don't write about it on ChristianHeadlines.com, then we don't have anything to talk about. So we have to go find people and bring them in, and so we can hear about about what God's doing in their life, and that's kind of where we're driving our content. But in the in the in the mean cracks of the sidewalk between guests, we fish places like ChristianHeadlines.com. <laughs> I mean, okay, hold on. Well, we're going to talk about two. Okay. I'm going to pick two out randomly from the top headlines of ChristianHeadlines.com. Uh, Chris Pratt attends Christian concert featuring Matthew West and Zach Williams. Crazy. I uh, mean, that's the top headline. Dude attends Christian concert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I get who Chris Pratt is, but like, he's just a felt like. What, what? I don't even want to click it to know the details of the article. <laughs> if there's more than one paragraph there, they've overdone it. They've creeped on a concert somewhere and said, there's a guy, and then they wrote it up. It's a gossip hound, Mike. Yeah. It's a gossip rag. I'm not, saying it's, I'm not saying it's righteous. I'm just saying it's what we did. Uh, okay. <laughs> who's, uh, who's, 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 what was the other guy? Zach Williams? Who's that? Yeah, he's the... Uh, Is that chain, old church choir man? Uh, no, Chainbreaker. He does the Chainbreaker. Is that the same as the old church choir tune? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it is. No, I don't know. Old church choir chain breaker. No, it's the same thing. It's not tune. the same thing. All right, it might not be exactly the same, but probably written by the same guy. No, no. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. So we'll, we'll dip into that. Uh, we're also going to do, I can't find the intro. I, and here's the deal. Most of y'all ain't going to know the difference. But we, so we, there was a segment on the show called Non Biblical Signs of the Apocalypse. So you look around 
And uh, these are things not contained in scripture anywhere, but it's a story in the news, and you're like, you know what? I feel like the world, this has got to be it. The end is near. Yeah, the end is near. But based upon based upon what's going on in the world today, uh, I just I The just Lord can't, can't, he can't tarry anymore. Yeah, this stuff say, cannot be continued what to, I, to what go What I on. created for good, you've made for apery. <laughs> and so, I, so <laughs> we're going to talk about you, that. You can take your she-apes back out of here. This is not going to happen. <laughs> so we'll go through those, and uh, we'll go around the room and see if we can... We're going to decide whether this is sufficiently enough to bring the world to a close, uh, or whether we got some more time. There yeah. might, might be hope yet. Yeah. Okay, and so the redeeming part of the show... Uh, is is we're going to talk to uh, uh, Jane Block. Jane, thank you for joining us online from the path. Thank you for having me. Well, you're very welcome. And so here's the thing. Uh, I don't I don't know how to say this, Mike. This is how I've come across Jane. I was creeping on the internet, yep. like like the ChristianHeadlines.com. Yeah, <laughs> like where they were waiting outside uh, the show to see who went in there. Uh, I was creeping on websites. I think legit. I think that websites are designed for this, right? To find folk. But I was out there. <laughs> I was out there looking for people to say, "Hey, man, we should we should bring some tunes onto the show." Yeah. Because of the poor quality of the show recently. Yeah. And so, and certainly, we needed someone who would be really good and could redeem the show. And certainly, uh, this is when Jane shows up. And she, I didn't tell her like the whole show was kind of riding on her shoulders. Oh. But it is kind of the. It's, I mean, that's the cut and dried business of this thing. Uh, is is I heard heard uh, was listening to some folks and. Uh, I, had, I, had, I saw the, the stuff that she had out there, and I thought, well, hot dang. Yeah. I think this solves everything. Uh, this is going to change our fortune. Yeah. Here's the thing is we, we front-loaded all that on Matthew West, and he didn't come in. That's right. That's well, right. I, he like, split. <laughs> he split and went out with what's that Williams character yes. and Pratt. Chainbreaker. Or whatever <laughs> they do. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, we're going to talk to Jane, and we're going to get to know about her. She's going to sing a few tunes. And uh, and generally uh, raise the level of the program, and then uh, to f- end out the show, we're going to do some advice on dear life in the path. Mike, do you have uh, you got a preview on this stuff? Yeah, well, well hold on, I, I I had one ready ready in the tank, and then I I'd forgotten about it because I got stuck on that Matthew West thing. What what is that a reference to? What have one in the tank? Uh, like what? Oh boy, <laughs> I prefer not to answer. <laughs> I I'm not sure. It's either has to do with a missile or or uh, or a toiletry. It's either one. <laughs> I'm just not sure. I wasn't prepared All right. to, for you to ask more about it. <laughs> Sorry, I just wasn't. The phrase jumped, caught me off guard. Okay, one was about uh, parents blaming uh, the teenagers' friends for their underage drinking. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, that's that's definitely the deal. And then the other one was uh, someone that was upset. Oh, someone wrote in upset saying that a cruise is a hard-earned vacation, not a shopping trip for your friends. <laughs> what? Yeah, I can't wait to read this one. This okay. is what I'm most excited about. Okay, so that, that's what we got going on the show today. Uh, excellent. Let's 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 get to this. So first, let's let's talk a little bit to Jane. Uh, Jane. So I'd already said thank you for coming on. Let's let's do this. Let's introduce yourself just a little bit. Tell uh, tell the folks a little bit about your background, um, and um, and and maybe about like your. Um, we feel like your musical influences are. Sure. Yeah. So I'm. From everywhere. I've traveled a lot in the past couple of years, even my whole life. And hey, that's that's true. I was asking <laughs> just before the show started, and it was a Johnny Cash song, really. Uh, you, you know the one where he names all the places in the United States? That That's where Jane is from. Yes, yes. I was originally born in Canada and moved here when I was about six. Um, and I started playing music in third grade. I started playing flute, and I went all the way to college. I was a music major in Oklahoma, and uh, I got my bachelor of science and decided to pick up the guitar. That's a, that's quite the jump from the from the flute. Yes, to the guitar. <laughs> Plus, it's a bigger instrument; it's a little heavier. Yeah, but people think you could mean business. 
or you may have committed a crime. You very rarely see flute players enjoy a life of crime. But people play guitar, it could go 50-50. Yeah, that's true. So, so would you say that like, I, yeah, so I'm, now I'm really interested. Was it, was it more, did you foray into, into writing songs or whatever on the flute? Yes. So I started writing songs in 2008 and I played them primarily for, um, composers concerts and whatnot, but I did, I wrote for about seven different instruments. Uh, flute being one of them, clarinet, bassoon, drums, and I used to write ensemble pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, I mean, do you like score them all out and have them on? I did. Yeah. That seems really cool. At least you got something to show for yourself. You're like, <laughs> I scored this thing. Look at this. Yeah. Did you ever, did you ever think that you could write tunes for movies? I think that would just be the tops. Uh, no, I never even thought about doing tunes for movies. I actually, I was writing them for causes. So one, one piece that I wrote that was an ensemble piece. It was written for invisible children, yeah, and uh, just kind of the hardships that you know kids that don't have anything. I just wrote it for them. And wow, to I'm, try I'm to a real get schmuck based on what you've said. <laughs> <laughs> I want to write tooth for movies. She's like, hey, yeah, I did something <laughs> real with my life. So that's cool. So how do I think most people when they think of folks writing songs? Um, like when you have words at your disposal, mm -hmm. um, I, that's, that's, that's not going to sound right because it's going to sound. Uh, like it's easier but like, like that's how most people are able to communicate emotion or uh, mm -hmm. or ideas and things and so having to do that without that kind of at your disposal to be able to do it musically like that seems like a really interesting process can you uh i don't i don't know what i'm asking i guess but that, <laughs> like, like that seems like it would be hard to do like how do you how do you do that how do you create a connection and emotion um, for like an ensemble piece mm -hmm. uh, versus being able to just you know use words that otherwise people could connect with. Well, honestly, words were always hard for me when I was younger, so I never had to, had to express my feelings through words. And I've always had my music, and that's the way I would get over you know tough days at school or um, being yelled at by a teacher or something. I would go and play my flute for hours on end right. and. So it was easier for me to write them down on a piece of paper, and that's where my music came from, was just all the frustration, all the sadness, all of that went into my pieces instead of into words. Gotcha. So so what caused you then to, to pick up the guitar? Um, honestly, it was an instrument I hadn't played before, and it sounded like a challenge and sounded like a lot of fun, and my pastor was actually encouraging me to pick up the guitar so that I could play with the children at church. Um, he really wanted to start a music group, and that's where I came in. I was willing to do it, so he had me pick up the guitar. Do that. <laughs> My pastor encouraged me to become a plumber because he needed some work done at his place. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what happened. <laughs> The heck! <laughs> uh, that actually, I that is, I got roped into. To, that's how I learned to play bass. They needed a bass player for um uh for the jazz band at school, mm -hmm. and and I played the clarinet at the time. And they say, "Look, you, we'll give you the bass over the summer. You learn how to play the bass. We need a guy." And I thought, "Well, okay." <laughs> and there you go. Did you find that it was was a difficult transition or different than you expected moving to the guitar and like songwriting? It was definitely very difficult. Um, my fingers were obviously not accustomed to the strings. Right. And um, even now, they're still not really accustomed to it. And I had nobody to teach me, so it was all on my own. All right. Well, so let's do this. Let's um, let's listen to a tune. So the, the first song that you're going to play is Sands of the Sea. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So Sands of the Sea was the second song I wrote on guitar. And 
I went to Facebook and I said, hey, I'm trying to write a song. I'm, I'm bored. I'm sitting at home doing nothing. And my friend actually messaged me. She's also a composer. And she said, you know, don't worry about it. You know, it'll come to you. All of his blessings are like the sands of the sea. And it kind of just sparked something. And I was sitting on my washing machine and wrote a song. On the washing machine? Yep. I was doing laundry. That's how I ended up writing this song, was doing laundry. Was it? Uh, was there anything about the rhythm of the washing machine that was helpful? or? Mm, I don't think so. I don't remember. No. no. Yeah, Ben, come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. That seemed kind of reasonable. <laughs> Obviously you never not. know. It could have sparked something. I I don't really remember. I just sat down and decided that I liked the, the phrase, the sands of the sea. Yeah, don't tell Ben your secrets. <laughs> He's going to steal them and try to put an album out. No, oh, yeah. dun, dun, dun. I don't. Uh, shoot. I, you know, <laughs> I have this though. Uh, I feel like every time I pump gas, I'm going to write a tune because there's a, there's a chugging going along with the. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I've embarrassed myself. Uh, all right. So let's. Um, what? what um, yeah. Let's just go ahead and listen. This is uh, Jane Block with Sands of the Sea. You're listening to Life from the Path. Can I count? 
time with that posture and, and that's actually what i like most about the song right like there's there's just a presenting yourself before god thing that says i, I just thank you for all the stuff that you've done and boy howdy am i really bad at, about forgetting that god has done all those things for me that's a very cool song thank, thank you thank you you said that was the second the second one yes that was the second one interesting so like do you have um uh so on the washer everything happened on the washer yes. at the one time yes all at the same time. Boy. It took me about, uh, I'd say about 10 to 20 minutes to write that song. Holy cow. Words, words and all. Was I, it, were you surprised by that? Yes. Very surprised. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. you know, I mean, I spent four hours writing a song about donkeys one time, and I thought <laughs> I had really had this thing licked. <laughs> but apparently not. I wasn't sitting on a washer, though. I tried it in the regular chair. <laughs> who who looks a fool now? <laughs> My foost. <laughs> Uh, excellent. So that was, uh, that was Jane Block. That was, uh, Sounds of the Sea. And, uh, you can find, uh, keep, keep up with what Jane is doing by going to her Facebook page. Uh, she also has a Twitter, uh, the, and both are legitimate. Like, she keeps them, uh, keeps them up to date, posts things out there. You can keep up to what she's doing and, uh, uh her thoughts on life. Maybe, uh, she's gonna write another tune and she needs you to say, hey, uh, <laughs> something or other. And you then she'll know. go sit on an appliance. And uh, then the song will come out. How many how many Twitter followers do you have to have before you get one of the blue check marks? It's a lot, is it? Yeah. yeah. How many we got, Ben? Uh, less than that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I only have so many family members. Yeah. <laughs> I'm running out of uncles. <laughs> actually, every once in a while, actually, every, every once in a while, someone I don't know likes something or like retweets something. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> that is scary, actually. If you check your Facebook and someone. Like something, you're like, who is this guy? Yeah. And then you start, then you turn around and, and reverse creep him. You're like, what's your deal? And they're like, he lives in Colfax Mingo. You're like, Colfax Mingo? Where is that? <laughs> How do I know you? Do you, do you still find, um, uh, do you still like write songs, uh, instrumentally? Like, do you still find yourself going, going to that? Or are you primarily writing on guitar now? Or? Um, sometimes I go back and I use a program called Finale. Uh-huh. And, uh, Sometimes I go back. I think the last one that I wrote was, uh, I think it was called like Rocky Mountain Reflection or something like that. Yeah. And uh, it was all about just being in the Rocky Mountains and how majestic they are. And, you know, my dad telling me that we're running out of gas at the top of it. 
Oh, right. And yeah. uh, well. thinking that we're not going to come down. So it's it's a very interesting piece, and it's it was a lot of fun to write. Do you have any recorded like versions of these tunes that you've written? Um, I do on some of them. I think I have a YouTube page for them. I don't keep up with it very often. Um, and I think it's like SJCB Compositions or something like that. And uh, I have some of my instrumental pieces that I wrote. I had to get that YouTube page in college. So oh. they told me I had to have an outlet for my music so that my professors could see it. Oh, well, that's a weird thing to say. I yeah. mean, it doesn't sound encouraging <laughs> the way they're saying it. <laughs> they're like, we're going to grade you on your on your performances. I'm like, great. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be terrible. Oh, man. Boy, Ben, we're going to creep on that YouTube page. Yeah, yeah we're going to check it out. All right. sure. yeah, yeah. Can you still download stuff off of YouTube? Yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway, let's, so let's, let's check back in with the ChristianHeadlines.com. Okay. Uh, professor may have solved the Amelia Earhart mystery. Hey, there is a, is, is the, was, did she fly the spirit of St. Louis? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, I think that's the Is that one. the name of the play? Yeah. There's a, there's a girl, uh, one of my daughter's friends was over at the house this week and, and she said she was doing a report on Amelia Earhart or whatever. And then she claimed that, that Amelia Earhart was related to one of the presidents and then, but then she didn't know the name of the plane that she sailed in, and I, th- I, I thought she was making up things, and I couldn't tell. And so <laughs> I need that piece of information to rebut a 10-year-old later. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's the one. Okay, excellent. Related to a president. Hey, did we talk about this Maryland church gives away five cars? You were going to. Maryland church gave five used cars to raffle to raffle winners at the church this past weekend. Wait, well, that's not giving them away. It's a yeah. raffle. <laughs> You're taking in money. Somebody bought it, just super cheap. <laughs> it's like one of those deal sites. <laughs> Uh, let's see. One of our founding values as a church is that we are outrageously generous. Okay, I love that. And we strive to live that out in everything we do. We wanted to mark the celebration with an act of generosity that overshadowed the great blessing of the building we received. The cars included a Chevy Cruze, a Toyota Corolla, a Nissan Sentra, Ford Escape, and a Dodge Journey. Now, here's the thing. I, I, I mean, this is going to sound bad, Mike. This is going to sound real bad, what I'm going to say here. I'm, re- I'm ready for it. But, I mean, I don't consider a Toyota Corolla outrageously generous. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean... I mean, I drive a 2003 Blazer at 280,000 miles, right? So it's not like I drive the height of anything. But if you're going to say, hey, we are outrageously generous, I mean, you should give away Suburban stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if people found out that you were giving away midsize sedans, eh, you know, you're giving away some four-wheel drive monster. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's still cool, though. Yeah, it is. I dig on it. Maryland. Maryland Church. Give away in five cars. Okay, right on. That really is the best we have to offer, though, Ben, as far as Christian news goes. What else? Uh, that Billy Graham, Billy Graham, Billy Graham. Yep. <laughs> Israel, Israel, Israel. No, that's about it. Man, that's rough times. That's, that's headlines. <laughs> that's the news right there. Hmm. Okay. Hey, so uh, I've t- been telling you we wanted to catch up with Matthew Loftus's, uh two parts on um, uh, it was the the fallout from like the Harvey Weinstein stuff and like a culture of um, the Me Too movement, the sex uh, culture of sexuality. And basically, what's the what's the way forward here? Um, I like Loftus. I think he's a pretty reasonable dude. Um, and we, we we're going to talk about. I think we'll talk about the second uh, the second blog post next week. Okay. Um, it is out there. Uh, in, in fact, I, I didn't even pay attention. I looked at it. I think uh, just this past week, and he had published it two days after the last time we talked about the first session on the show. So if you go to mereorthodoxy.com dot com and just do a search for Matthew Loftus, um, and you can see his articles out there. He's got a, some good ones on healthcare that we talked a little bit with him about. Um, but just you know, read through those, and um, I would say it is full of like there's nothing revolutionary in there. It's just an emphasis on basically what we understand biblically on how to interact with folks. 
Yeah. Right? Like you, you stop bad things from happening. There's, uh, you don't overreact. You don't underreact. You just react in the appropriate fashion. Uh, you put the right protections in place, but don't overdo it. And so like, um, and there's, it's like a combination of everything that people on all sides are talking about. And he's like, yeah, that all, this all kind of makes sense. Let's, let's put it together. Yeah. Actually, we were just talking about that before the show about trying to fix problems, you know, with, with, uh, gray problems with black and white answers, you know, and, and Loftus has always been pretty good when we talked to him about some of the healthcare stuff. Um, he's pretty good about, about saying, look, some of these concerns that people are bringing up, they're legit. You know, you can't, you can't just push them off the side and act like they're not issues or that the things that they're saying don't have a little legs to them. Um, and so it is, a, it is a gray, it is a gray problem. There are, there are some, some mindsets that have to change. There's some tolerance that is not necessary. And, and there's some, some overall, um, I mean, for heaven's sake, some humanity. In here, you yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the, I think that's the thing. To your point, where people are trying to give a, um, uh, would you say, would you say gray answers to a black and white problem? The other way around, black and white answers, black to and white answers problem. to a gray problem. Um, I think we get so focused on trying, um, not to, not talking through the actual ways to solve a problem, but because of a typical kind of way to solve a problem is attached to a belief system, whether it's a political affiliation or something to do with the dominational distinctions or whatever it is. Um, like it, it's it's the uh, opposite of uh, Pharisaical behavior. Well, no, it's, it, it is. It's like Pharisee behavior, yeah. um, except for what you're doing is you're finding the thing that's two steps away from the thing you're trying to defend, and you're defending it through kind of that outer wall. Uh, and so you don't even have to actually, you don't even actually have reasonable conversations about things because you're so afraid that if you give an inch, it will imply that your core belief system is wrong or the other thing that you're fighting about that's related to it is wrong. And like, it's, it's stupid blindness. Uh, anyway, I think he does a fairly balanced job. The, uh, the name of the article is Moral Formation and Sexual Abuse Parts 1 and 2. Uh, learning to love what is good by loving one another. Um, it's, it's nothing, here's the thing, it's nothing you, you ain't read in the Bible already. Um, and that we don't know except for, like, we, we recognize the impact of not practically following. Yeah. Um, of not having it reflect in what we do and having kind of a moral backbone to some of these things. They express themselves in ways that are, uh, often horrific, um, for us not guarding the line. And I don't mean like, necessarily saying conservatively guarding the line. What I mean is, is that we're just not holding true to the character uh, of the God we, we serve. And, um, to the extent that that's reflected in these types of situations, like this is where our moral groundings come back to. And so there, it's a good article. We'll talk about it next week, but I just want to give you a heads up that it was there. It's actually, I've, I've had a conversation with a couple of people. We've been on this, this spiritual discipline kick. Ben and I have been, have been battling this back and forth for two or three weeks now. And, um, um, I, I, I don't know, like, like this, it just keeps coming up and up and up and up and up that if you, a lot of things that we argue about, a lot of the stances that we take, a lot of the decisions we make in our own lives, um, good, bad, or indifferent, they're all they're all filled with our own effort, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think a lot of it has to do with not being able to feel like if 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 God's not going to show up, then I'll fill in the gap until He does. You know, I'll just keep I'll, I'll keep yeah. handling these things until He shows up and and does what what God does, right? And <laughs> it's like the it's like God's the the, the runner of a uh, the night manager at a get and go or like a convenience store. Uh, and you're acting like, like he he steps out for whatever, and you feel like you are now the man. Yeah, the God's out having a smoke. I'll, yeah. I'll take care of this place until he comes back and starts running the store again, right? Yeah. I'm assistant manager, Mike. I'll manage it until he shows up, right? And 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 if you're not careful, um, in not a condescending way, I say this, but an, an omniscient way that includes myself, right? If you're not careful, it turns out that you never actually had Jesus working at your place, <laughs> right? Like right. you never, you you didn't. Uh, and, and this is where it starts to sound pharisaical, right? But this is where it starts, where the rubber starts to meet the road, right? Like, you cannot continue to have 
this this life uh, as a Christian or life uh, lifestyle as a follower of Jesus Christ if you spend zero time with him? Zero. Or even, let's say, ten minutes. Or let's say you studied for the Bible study because you have five dudes you're supposed to meet with or a home group that you're supposed to study for. So you went through your half a chapter of Romans or whatever, and so you're like, I'll study up on that. You studied to learn, and you studied to be able to interact in a conversation in a group of people. Those aren't bad things, right? right? But, like, don't fool yourself into thinking that you spent time with this God that you're serving. You, you, you didn't. You learned something about him, which is always good, and you learned how to be with his people, which is also good. But well, you 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 miss the flagstaff. You know what I'm saying? You miss the the center part of this thing. And insert everywhere I said you, and then I'll put my own name in there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like I do that, right? And so like I, I don't. It just keeps coming up and up and up that we've got to carve out some time for this. And 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 you shouldn't even have to carve. We should start with that, and then every, let everybody else fill in. And that might mean some hard decisions for you, <laughs> right? Like you got there's there's some stuff you got to drop, some stuff you got to say no to. Um, that I you just got to set some priorities here, but. It just, I, I was talking to somebody else today. It was about the presidential election, right? They were yeah. all ge- geeked up about it. And they're like, ah, you know, I didn't know if I made the right decision or blah, 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 and all this. And I said, I, you know, how, have you spent any time with God this week? And they're like, what's that have to do with the presidential election? <laughs> I, I said, here's the thing. Is, is, is some of the decisions that I've made over the last couple of years, I've, I've just been really worried about. Like, am I, am I handling this right? Am I interacting with these people in the right way? I just feel like everything's a struggle. And then I pray about it and I like, God help me. Did I do this thing right or whatever? But like, I showed up five minutes to bedtime, said, God, I did all this stuff, you saw it. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about tomorrow? And then I'll, then I fall asleep, and then that's it. And, and there's nothing wrong with talking to Jesus before you go to bed. I do it every night, right? But like, I, you know, rarely do I touch in for any amount of time. Do I read the Bible just to read it? Like, just to say, look, I don't understand the Psalms. I can't read like this. I can't write like this. This poetry is blank to me. Right, but if that if, if that's the section of the Bible that I have to read to let Him speak into me, for a lot of people, it's uh, numbers. You know, people like to skip over numbers. Like it's, I hate this. Bible. You know what I'm saying? It's just a bunch of blah 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 blah. Right? Well, good. That means numbers is a book of the Bible where you're not reading to learn anything. You're just reading to be with God. Like, give that a shot. Find a find a book of the Bible that it's just not your it's not your gig. You don't love it. It doesn't jump off the page to you. It just it's just kind of there, and yeah. that's the time you're going to spend with God and say, "Look, speak whatever you want to me. I'm going to read numbers, and then I'm going to kind of gray out like I normally do when I read numbers, and just come my direction, and I'm going to hang out and to try that for a while." But I, I think it's really important that that you know of all the things that we that we look at and that we sometimes measure, um, the amount of time that we spend actually in in God's presence and interacting with Him is probably very embarrassingly small. Yeah, and it's a lot of it's just tied to tied, tied to a. Um a worry about doing um we have a lot of stuff in our minds um we are not called to uh not to just think life abundantly right like we we've we've been we've been saved into an abundant life and i feel like we don't know how to live it very well nor do we we've put any practice into it yeah. right like we know how to think about what it should look like uh we ponder it a lot we want our soul to jump um we want to feel one way or another um but like uh, a lot of the I, I won't even limit to the new testament like it's a very tangible faith that we have that's why we follow a living walking living dying jesus resurrecting jesus right like like the, he's um the core reason that we have a direct example on how to live uh and a lot of our stuff is just trapped up in the attic of our mind uh or in the chests of our heart and, and it doesn't express itself in the in the way that we actually live and then of course you're going to feel a, a, a dissonance here god has given you a physical body uh through which to express goodness of his kingdom to bring people in to demonstrate joy and worship and all kinds of cool stuff um 
and and it just it doesn't seem to make it past the 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 blood brain barrier up there yeah uh into what we do and 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 the thing is we're not very good at it because we don't have a practice right like we don't spend time talking we don't spend time um doing those like disciplines just it feels harsh because of the word discipline but like we just don't do the things that otherwise jesus did um to stay connected to the to the father um and then we're surprised that like we can't just you know talk to someone about jesus we get freaked out it's because we've never, we literally have never done it. Like we don't know what it's, we don't know how to do the thing because we never practice the thing. We don't spend enough time like engaging with God and, and that kind of stuff. And I think it's, um, yeah, people back away from it because they're afraid that it's like a works-based righteousness. But like, it's it's part of the means of being able to live abundantly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you looked at your at your relationship with your spouse the same way, you'd be like, look, I. I don't have to spend time with you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you keep trying to make me like it's a big deal in this marriage. <laughs> right. You know, like that's a foolish way to look at it. I would like to spend time with you and I would like to be in relationship with you. Yeah. And like oh, that, that is a, a direct outpouring of, of God in his church. And so I was, I was just reminded of this today because I was talking to a guy about, um, giving money to the homeless guy. You know, he's like, yep. man, you shouldn't give it to him. I'm like, why? And he goes, what if he's going to buy booze with it? I'm like, here's the thing. If I spend time with Jesus, I feel like he's just going to straighten this out for me so I don't have to struggle over these decisions so bad, right? <laughs> if I'm supposed to give this particular man money, then God will be like, yeah, give him money. If I'm not, then God will be like, no, not that dude. That's not the right time. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just want to make a set ground rules. Like, I never give money to homeless people or I always give money to homeless people. Eh, they're God's people. It's for him to decide. And maybe if I had hung out with them that morning, maybe he would say, yeah, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> right. All right, you're listening live from the path. Uh, we're hanging out in the studio with, with Jane Block. And again, you can find her on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, also, uh, in the nethers of uh, YouTube. No, I'm going to uh, find it. Got compositions. <laughs> I'm going gonna, to add 10 views of that thing. We're going to find it. I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> uh, all right, so here's the thing. I could not find, I couldn't find the intro music. So we're going to have to do, uh, non-biblical signs of the apocalypse without the appropriate introduction. You, you want me to at least say the, say the phrase? Uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Non-biblical signs of the apocalypse. Okay, that's it. Okay. That's a very good. Congratulations. <laughs> so here's the premise of the of the quiz here. Uh, I'm going to give you a story, legitimate news story from the day. And, uh, I mean, here's the thing. The, the What was it? Um, the thunders. Seven thunders of Revelation, right? You don't know everything. No. Or, or when he's talking to Daniel, he says, shut up the book. You don't, no one gets to know. That's right. And so, is it possible that some of these news stories are the things where, where Daniel was seeing them and he's like, you know what? This is, this, uh, harkens the end of the time. Yeah, what if they're in the book? Okay, yeah, yeah I'm ready. Yeah, this could be it. So that, that's the question. Is this a non-biblical sign of the apocalypse? Jane, are you ready over there? Sure, let's oh, do this. Okay, that's right. I knew you'd be excited. All right, here we go. Uh, this is from the mirror. Uh, from, uh, from London, super rare mustache cloud spotted over town. Okay. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Uh, let me, uh, let me show you a picture of this cloud just so you can dig on it. Oh, come on. That's Hulk Hogan, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> hold on. I got this. Uh, there it is. Okay. Can you see it? Oh, no, you can't see it. There it is. Look at that mustache cloud. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So hold on, let's, let's, now let's go back to the story, see what we got about this. Uh, Hulk Hogan's mustache has been spotted in cloud form. Also known as a horseshoe cloud, the formation is one of the rarest around, ooh, and appears only for a ooh, matter of minutes before dissipating before the end of the world. It doesn't say that part, I added it for effect. The wispy handlebar shape was spotted by Christy Grimes in Battle Mountain, Nevada, U.S. on Friday and shared online by the National Weather Service. Wow. Uh, let's see here. To truly understand how mustache clouds are formed, we recommend you extensively study meteorology. What? <laughs> what, <laughs> what the heck? It takes all the fun out of it. <laughs> I don't go to read the news to give yeah. me a to-do. They must have grabbed a dude 
like that's bitter against his own college ways because he's like, you should go to meteorology school like I had to. Otherwise, no mustache information for you. Let's see. The Farmer's Almanac. There we go. Franklin's got this. Also has a handy explainer. Uh, horseshoe vortex clouds, also known as mustache clouds, form at the edges of horizontal cylinders of rapidly rotating air, essentially tornadoes tipped onto their sides. Dual tornadoes, Mike. Oh, that's cool. Vortices, uh, vortices form from updrafts created by powerful supercell storms. The energy of the vortex shears away a small amount of water vapor from a nearby cloud formation, then bends the small cloud into a semicircle around itself as it rotates. I don't know. It looked pretty happy and sunny when you showed it, so no double tornado wisping nuttiness. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but it, maybe it's, 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 uh, disguised like an angel of light, Mike. You ever think of that? Oh, I mean, Mustache it, cloud looks happy and stuff, but really it's some sort of, some demon cloud. <laughs> it is kind of creepy. <laughs> okay, anyway, so we got a, there's a mustache, handlebar mustache forming in the sky. Uh, the words such as vortex and rare and tornadoes and such. What do we think? Uh, a sign of the, the end is near or we have more time, Mike? Boy, Ben, I feel like we have more time. I mean, it could be a staple. It could look like it could be a staple or a, uh, what's that game where you hit the balls with the, with croquet mallets? It could be a croquet steak. If it was indeed a mustache only, then I feel like the, I mean, how, the only way you would know that is if there was also a man attached to it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If there's a floating cloud man wearing that mustache cloud, the end is indeed near inside the Daniel book. But otherwise, the Lord did not speak to it. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Jane, what do you think? End is near or we have more time? I think we have more time on that one. I, I mean, it's kind of it's weird looking, but I don't think uh, if those tornadoes were touching the ground, then yes, I would say the end is near. Okay. So if there was a whirling dervish of a mustache <laughs> attacking the ground, boy, end is near. You're but right. Probably. If it hangs out happy in the sky, Bob Ross style, you say no worries. Yeah, probably not. Okay. There's nothing that says Hasatan like a spinning mustache cloud. <laughs> uh, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Smoking orangutan riles anger against zoo in Indonesia. Okay, great. Hold on. Hold on. I will get you a photo of this uh, orangutan. Uh, Okay, all right, you got him. There is his smoking <laughs> cigarette. How did he even get that? And the lighter. <laughs> he probably got it from that, what was that, three-year-old smoking Indonesian kid from a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the meme, the meme of smoker. Okay, yeah. oh, sorry, here we go, here's the story. Uh, a video of an orangutan smoking has brought more criticism to a zoo, more criticism to a zoo in Indonesia. <laughs> They've had uh, infamous for past animal welfare troubles. In a video shot Sunday, a young man flicked, oh, a young man flicks his half-smoked cigarette into the primate's enclosure. It's picked up by the reddish-brown primate, who expertly puffs on it to laughter from the crowd. How does he know what to do, Mike? Oh, he's probably watching the guy. Uh, don't they say the orangutans can uh, mimic dudes or whatever? I guess. I mean, <laughs> you yeah. Would, you would think that they would be able to mimic it. Yeah. What do they mean by expertly smoking? I've never ran. <laughs> I've never seen a dude outside a restaurant be like, man, there's no one smokes a cigarette like that dude. Yeah, he's got it under control. <laughs> I mean, I suppose if you're allowed to smoke in the zoo, uh, people might be smoking there all the time. Yeah, he's and, probably well aware. And so he's probably seen it all, I guess. Uh, let's see. Activist Marisan Gusciano said Wednesday the smoking ape is further evidence of a lack of supervision. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, you do what we do and put up no smoking signs in the in the zoo. Uh, let's see. Gucciano said the man committed a crime, but the privately owned zoo is mainly responsible because of its, because of its ignorance of supervision and education for visitors. I mean, you can't reasonably have a guy stationed at the ape shack all the time just in case someone chucks a smoke in there. No. I mean, that is unreasonable. You just, it's an agreed upon community thing, right? Like people agree not to throw cans of beans in the, in the zebra, whatever place, you know? I think that's what people just find a place that they all enjoy, decide they're all going to take care of it and then not provide nicotine. 
to the, to the orangutans. Uh, it says signs at the zoo warn visitors to not feed animals or give them cigarettes. It's a common enough item that they need a sign. <laughs> that's that's rough. Indonesian zoos are in rough shape. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know. This it, it's smoking orangutans uh, into the the end is near. We have more time. What do you think, Jane? Uh, I think if he keeps smoking on that cigarette, the end is near for him. Ooh. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Ooh. Personal yeah. responsibility in Apeland. Yeah, <laughs> that's a double-edged mustache cloud coming your way, orangutan. <laughs> okay, so the world's fine, but the orangutan's in some trouble. I think so. Okay, all right, Mike. I don't know, Ben. I feel like the end is near. I mean, here's the deal: back in the 1800s, orangutan used to be able to smoke without everybody giving them the business. <laughs> <laughs> now all of a sudden, it's like health this, health that. No smoking in the orangutan enclosure. <laughs> you know. When will it end? I mean, tobacco is organic. <laughs> until the until the Lord Jesus tarries, this orangutan, he just wants to smoke in peace in his habitat. Uh, you took everything else away from him. All he's like in a prison. And what's famous prison famous for? Smoking. <laughs> All right. He's probably been watching a bunch of old movies. This is why creation groans right here for the yeah. return of the Lord. Lord says return. Until then, orangutan's taking up Marlboro. That's the, the Greek for groan is a subtle exhale of tobacco smoke. <laughs> That's right. You see a big smile on his face. He's like, That's a wisdom. <laughs> I love wisdom. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. So, so far, nothing nothing too terrible. I, I called guess. the end is near, Ben. Okay, that's right. All right. <laughs> uh, here we go. Uh, this is from uh, Kansas woman reportedly sued by bank after ATM dished out $100 bills instead of fives. Yeah. <laughs> this is a capital mistake here. A Kansas woman is facing a pricey lawsuit after a bank accused her of making dozens of withdrawals from a faulty ATM that was dispensing $100 bills instead of $5 bills. Uh, the Central National Bank in Wichita claimed in a January 22nd lawsuit that uh, Christina C. Okoa knew the ATM wasn't functioning properly, no doubt, and used it to receive as much money as possible. Yeah. Uh, Okoa reportedly made more than 50 withdrawals over five days in mid-January, several of which were done in the middle of the night, according to the documents obtained by the Eagle. The bank wants her to pay back $11,607.36 plus interest. The lawsuit also names Okoa's mother, Christy, since she reportedly drove her daughter to the bank. A getaway man. <laughs> uh, here we go. The first time the ATM dispensed more money than what was due, Christina and Christy. Wait, that's the mom's name too? They're both named Christy? Boy, that's, that's rough. All right. Christy and Christy had a duty to return the surplus funds to the bank. Not only did they fail to do so, but they capitalized on the situation by making a series of over 50 structured withdrawals. What's that? What's a structured withdrawal? I don't Most know. within minutes of each other and transacted at all hours of the night. What does that matter? In order to expose, oh, in order to expose Central to more loss. What do I mean? I mean, don't you lose the hundred dollars whether you do it at two p.m. or two a.m.? I'd like to see an unstructured withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did they stammer up and fall backwards into it? I mean, <laughs> what does it look like when you uh, when you do it pretty loose? <laughs> I'd like an erratic seventy-eight dollars. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Don't they have an ATM limit? Oh, they thought it was fives. That's why. I was going to say, like, my bank will let me withdraw more than 300 bucks. This woman pulls out 11K in a couple days. Okay, check this out, though. The Wichita Eagle spoke to the Achoas, who said they did nothing wrong. She has no problem with this. Uh, the bank claims that instead of the 1485 Christina should have received, she actually was given $14,120. Uh, Christy Ochoa, uh, I think the older one, told the outlet that her daughter never received larger bills and has receipts as proof of her transaction. Receipts that show the fives. Yeah, that's right. Thing. Okay, this I is got the it. perfect crime right here. Yeah, it is. You go through the ATM; <laughs> they dispense hundreds instead of fives. Uh, Christy claimed that her daughter made that many transactions in a short period of time because she wanted enough five dollar bills to create a money cake as a gift for someone. <laughs> <laughs> 
you can't type in the number of fives you want at the ATM, so that's why we did multiple transactions, Christy told the outlet. She also said her daughter had to use the ATM because the bank was closed. No, uh, now hold on. That doesn't make any sense. You would have to, you'd have to ask for, for $15. Does the ATM dispense in, in 15? Uh, no, I don't know. Mine, I don't, I only use ones that you, I don't use the ATM actually. None of this <laughs> makes know. any sense. A $5 money cake? I've seen money cakes. It's a dollar. What the heck? Yeah. Who makes a money cake out of $5 bills? That's, that's nutty. That's a heck of a cake. Uh, it says after the ATM's issue was acknowledged by the bank, they told Christina to give back the extra money, and she wholly refused to do so. The bank reportedly then held the remaining money in Christina's account in order to settle some of the deficit, in addition to a direct deposit received on January 30th, totaling more than $600. Central National Bank is also trying to seize two cars that the Ochoa's bought while the ATM was malfunctioning. Holy cow. Alleging that the $3,000 down payment for one of them was made up entirely of $100 bills. <laughs> Christy Ochoa maintained that the cars were bought with money acquired in a car wreck settlement and a student loan. Oh, I don't know, Ben. Uh, so ATM, ATM dispenses a uh, hundred dollar bills in place of fives. Uh, Christie and Christie and company, the Ochoas say there's, that's not really what happened. We were making one whiz bag of a money cake. <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't know. End is near or, or we have some more time, Mike. Yeah. I mean, no, the end is not near. That's just regular. I mean, if Monopoly called this out years ago, that was a bank error in your favor. Yeah. But Monopoly encouraged it. I get to te- keep the 200 bucks. Well, I mean, that's not my fault that Monopoly wants to do seedy things. I mean, obviously, it's theft, right? Like, I can't even think. I was trying to think of an example while you were talking to 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 make it seem how ridiculous this is. What's a what's a good example, Ben? Uh, like a lady going to the ATM and getting hundreds instead of fives. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Milton Bradley has corrupted me. <laughs> Imagine if that happened. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so ridiculous? I mean, it's it's obviously blatant theft. And, and, and the, it's the lies that continue to, to spew forth. This is just regular human behavior. Uh, it's, it's originated from the fall, Ben. And it's just <laughs> continuing as it is. Uh, no, we have more time. Uh, all now, right. Jane, what do you think? I'm going to have to agree with him on that one, but maybe I missed this. How did the bank know it was specifically them? Uh, I, I, I assume they had maybe some, maybe a camera, s- some or camera footage. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see here. I mean, I assume that they don't have. Uh, like if they got the receipt that shows that acts like they took out fives. Yeah. Uh, they they had to f- figure out the mistake somehow or other, and then they just go back and look at anybody who took things in five dollar increments, and then notice that uh the Ochoas have been to the ATM <laughs> a million times. Yeah. How often do they audit ATMs? Uh, do you know anybody in the ATM business? I have no idea. I mean, that's a, <laughs> uh no, but that's a heck of a mistake. Oh, Greg's in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Five Finger Greg, who's been stocking the thing for years, <laughs> decided he's going to phone in half his job that day, and he put hundies in the $5 slot. He's in big trouble. I mean, don't they, don't you think they monitor the number of hundies in there? Or can, do they not count? Like, is it a, still a physical job at the ATM? They can't tell how much money is in there, so, like, they have to, the guy once a week goes by and, and checks how much money's there? Wouldn't that be a complete joke? Because the, because I mean, the the soda machine knows if I try to chuck a five in there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. The the, the soda machine and candy dispensary can say, look, uh, you put in a dollar. But the ATM that's connected to the bank can't distinguish what kind of paper money it's handing out. That's outrageous. That's a good point there too. Yeah. Yeah. You so, know what? The end is near. We, <laughs> we put an entire the bank mach- in a three by three machine, <laughs> and then we can't tell what kind of money we spend out of it. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the Lord shut down the Tower of Babel, but he didn't say you had to be an idiot. <laughs> you, can't you scan the money? 
In this there, Ben. I changed my vote. <laughs> uh, wait, Jane, are you holding tight on more time? Uh, no, I might be, no, I might be switching, she, too. Yeah, oh that's right on. <laughs> you, know, you know Elijah up there talking to God right now. He's like, how long can I put up with this? Just let me get in the chariot and go take the, take care of this business. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, go pick some guys up. A money cake? I don't. I mean, I've not. I mean, I've not heard of that. That's actually my first exposure to money cake. Whatever. It sounds expensive though. I su- well, I I may have. I spoke too too far into it. I've I've seen a diaper cake, and I just assumed they replaced diapers with money. <laughs> uh, it could be, or it could be for like a wedding or something. Yeah. Okay. Like like they like you just have five sticking out of the cake. Yeah, maybe. I always you thought I could make big money at weddings selling one dollar bills to people <laughs> for the dollar dance. Who forgot? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I bring a, <laughs> I bring a stack of singles with me, and then when guys are like, "Oh man, I don't have any ones for the dollar dance," <laughs> I say, "I'll sell you this one." <laughs> for I mean, for at least a five, right? Yeah, for a you five don't have five. ones because you don't want to look like a doer at this wedding. <laughs> you know, I bet I could make at least twenty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Unless then- I went to the ATM beforehand, and then I make millions. <laughs> because Greg works everywhere. <laughs> you know, you know what's suspicious about this though is like the bank does seem like it's really overstepping. Like to the extent that they that they got too much money, I feel like you can certainly sue them to get it back. But like, I don't know how you can seize two cars. Like, there's no way for you unless you can tell that the if they could put the together that the money that came out of the ATM was the one that they had, uh, they wouldn't have to sue them. The Ochoas would be in jail. Yeah. Right? Like, why is this a criminal matter? I, here's the thing. I mean, like, people, businesses have, do, make mistakes all the time. An $11,000 mistake, not really that bad. I'd let it go. I'd, I'd have filed insurance against it and not brought it up again. That's true. This is, it's more embarrassing, really. Yeah. I mean, they probably got 15 ATMs in that town. Now everyone's going to be hitting them up <laughs> for multiple transactions, wearing out the, the cash motors that are pumping out bills all the time, merely because they think the same thing's going to happen to them. That's the, the, the worst thing you can do in the banking industry is let people know that you are untrustworthy to be able to sort money correctly. I would have let this one completely slide and not ever brought it up. Yeah. And the, this article is kind of, written weirdly uh like who who is it they were talking to here was it someone at the bank the first time the atm dispensed more money than what was due christina and christy had her duty to return the surplus funds to the bank uh not only did they fail to do so yeah yeah it, it was that was that capitalized on the situation structured withdrawals uh transacted at all hours of the night in order to expose central to more loss like it's overly amped up language yeah uh and you exposed yourself to more loss when you hired greg <laughs> yeah, that's true. Boy, he's inept. <laughs> that <laughs> poor guy. He should, he should go smoke at the zoo. <laughs> he's prob- he probably got off early that day and thought, this is a great life. And then and then over the weekend, all this stuff happened, and they called him up, and he goes, well, I had no idea. <laughs> I was out smoking with his orangutan. I didn't think there was going to be a big comeuppance. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Would you feel like, uh, I mean, uh, what would be your gut reaction to seeing an orangutan smoking a cigarette? Orangutan. Is this an orangutan? Yeah. There's no G on the end of it. Would you, I mean, like they it said people were laughing. I feel like gut reaction, it's just because it's so odd, right? Like I feel like it might take you about 10 seconds and you're like, hey, wait a minute. Someone should put a stop to that. The orangutan's probably harming himself. Certainly he's not a tobacco smoker. <laughs> uh, or you should find out if Greg gave him some smokes or whatever. But like, I think at the, at the offset, I don't know that you can blame a man seeing the orangutan expertly puffing away on this cigarette and not have a, at least a mild guffaw on it. Do you, do you begrudge a Jane? Do you begrudge a man having to laugh at that for uh, just a, at least a 10 seconds? 
Maybe 10 seconds. 10 <laughs> seconds. Anything past that, you think he's overdone it and he's yeah, cruel. Yeah, maybe. There's a thin line to cruelty and uh, general enjoyment, and I it's think, at the 10-second mark. I think I would be the one to like stop and stare for a little bit and go, what? What am I witnessing here? Yeah, those are non-filters. That's both. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I saw a giraffe smoking, that'd be way different. You know? I mean, orangutans have opposable thumbs. They can they can pick stuff up. But like if a, if I saw a giraffe tooting by smoking a whirly, <laughs> I mean, that's just a weird deal, <laughs> you know? I mean, it might take a little bit. To, I mean, I, I know, I know. Uh, like if you're an animal rights activist, you're like, man, they, they they're not keeping an eye on the place. And, Agreed. I mean, and the I, animals are smoking. And like, I totally understand what you're saying. I'm just legit. Human behavior is. I feel like you got to give a man a, a 10 second pause here to to just react. Yeah, to process it and try to figure out is this real? Is yeah. that orangutan smoking a smoking a doobie? Yeah. <laughs> I can't make it out. I think it was, yeah, okay. All right, anyway, that's non-biblical signs of the apocalypse. It sounds like the world might, uh, things aren't good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the scales tip towards the end. Yeah. That that portable bank with its misdeeds is, I mean, can we really live on, Ben? Bring on the bowls. <laughs> Bring on the bowls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, that's it. That's it. Uh, that, that's the end of that. All right, let's let's uh, let's check back in uh, now that we've tanked the show with that smoking orangutan bit. Uh, let's check back in with Jane. Um, so uh, we want to hear another tune. So this uh, is this the first one you wrote, or have you wrote written subsequent ones after Sands of the Sea? I've written ones after Sands of the Sea. This would have been my third or fourth one. Okay, awesome. So this is this is called Bring Me Closer. Tell us a little bit about this one. So Bring Me Closer was actually written for one of my friends. Um, he was going through a tough time. He just had a baby girl, and uh, she was in and out of the hospital. They didn't think that she was going to live, and his faith was dropping. He was like, I don't know why God would do this to me, to my family, and he was very angry, and, you know, I was trying to write something to him to let him know, hey, you know, it, this is not the end. And you have options, you know, pray about it, and he'll help you out through anything. Perfect. So it was it was a very hard song for me to write. Um, this one took me substantially longer than Sands of the Sea. It took me, uh, I would probably say, a good three, four days to write this one, just because it was so hard for me. Okay. Well, let's hear. It. This is um, this is bring me closer. Yes. Uh, with uh, Jane Block, and you're listening to Live from the Path. My eyes are weak from all the crying. Hands are tied from all the lies. You are the only one that understands me. Save me from the world when my throat is dry and my eyes are failing. I'm sinking fast. I'm sinking fast and refuge save me from the world I know and help me understand you come hear my heart and save me from my that overflow bring me closer 
cried out and you heard me calling Pull me out of Hades' grasp You never forgot or chose to leave me Save me from the world When my throat is dry And my eyes are failing I'm sinking fast I'm sinking fast And come be my refuge Save me from the world I know Help me understand you come Hear my heart and save me From eyes that overflow And bring me closer to you Closer to you Bring me closer to you closer to you and come oh come oh come and help me understand you Uh, that is a beautiful song. Thank you. Did you um Ah shoot. Okay, it, it, it left my mind what I was thinking. But like it <laughs> is it's a very that is a that is a difficult thing, right? And, and it, it, some of it goes to um a little bit what we were talking about earlier, I think, um is when your faith rests um in your mind and in your heart, um it is a th- that, that is a that is a thing um and it is a good thing. Um, and then there are times in life when it, when it, that stuff gets just so exposed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it becomes much more of a reality. And it wasn't that it wasn't real before. Um, but you're, you're taking the full brunt of, I think, of, of what it is that you had in your mind. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of people that go through a lot of tough things and, you know, they feel like the weight of the world is just on their shoulders and that, you know, he's just forgotten about you. And that's that's something that I wanted to change for my friend. He was just like, I'm done. I don't know why I ever believed. And I'm going, well, you know, you're sinking. And I know you're sinking really, really fast. But you want to ensure that, you know, you can still feel his love. He is working with you. And his his baby girl is now six years old. So, um, you know, she, she pulled through all the medical issues that she was having. And, you know, he... He wants a copy of this song, and uh, I let him have all the chords and everything for it. So this is this is one of his songs that I wrote for him, and he's very thankful that you know I stuck by him. And 
that that I just let the the Lord go through my voice and my music to touch his. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a cool gift. What a cool gift to be able to um, uh, to use your talents in that way to to provide support and encouragement, um, and for God to work through you in that way. Very, very cool. Um, so you can find more about Jane again. You can go to her Facebook page. Uh, you're looking for Jane Jane Block, and on the Twitter. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you can, you can check that out. And, uh, obviously the clips from the show will be posted at lifeinthepath.org so you can dig on those at any time. Uh, hopefully sometime either this week or next week we'll have those out there and you can listen and share and, um, uh, help people get to know Jane and her music and the, the things that she's up to. Um, hey, real quick before I forget, um, we're going to close out the show, um, with a, a, a cut from Egypt Ali. Uh, Mike, remember Egypt was in here with, uh, Driven Eleven? Oh, yeah. Um, and here's the deal. Uh, I'll, I'll say this about Egypt. She's got the most, um, interesting Facebook feed. Like, the stuff that she ends up doing and the people she ends up doing, doing it with. I mean, you just, you just can't be, can't comprehend it. No, she wild. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that she's got going on is just impressive. And so, uh, d- definitely follow Egypt on Facebook. Um, but she has a, a new album coming out called Cathedrals, uh, and it's releasing April 1st. And, uh, so what, what we're going to do is we're going to debut one of the, one of the, um, the tunes for you called As I Am, and we'll close the show out with it. So we're going to do some uh, advice on Dear Life from the Path, and then uh, we're going to let you uh, to dig on that song, and then we're going to talk to Egypt next week uh, about the album. And um, We are going to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, we're hooked up. Is she calling in? Or? She's going to, yeah, we're going to Skype in. Okay, that's cool. i got to work that out. Um, oh, wait a minute, did you ask her already? It's not going to be that Matthew West thing all over again. <laughs> no, 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 she asked. She, she, who did I write and I got completely denied on coming on the show? Man, I can't remember who it was. It was a flat out denial too. Like as soon as they found out it was us, they're like, "Yeah, you know he's." Oh, it's Perry Noble. <laughs> yeah, it's Perry Noble. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah, not gonna happen. That was the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, um, I, I, I've got to listen to a few of the tracks off uh, the Cathedral's album. It's 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 very good. It is very good. Um. So yeah, you can. She'll she'll be here. Um. She'll be here and, and talking, talking with, well, not here, but we'll do a Skype interview with her next week. Did you ask, ask her if she wanted to be on the show, Ben? No, no, she asked me. She was, she wanted to, did you want her to be on the show? I don't know. These sound like lies. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> or it's an imposter. <laughs> it's somebody else. Either way, I'm very excited. What if it's Palestine Ali? We ah. won't even be able to speak. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, that's how we'll close out the show, um, is, uh, one of the cuts from her album, uh, upcoming album on April 1st, as I am. And so we'll talk about that then. Uh, in the meantime, Mike, we have, uh, people some Need some advice? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready? No, I think I'm ready. Dear life from the path. My 15-year-old daughter, Jenny, went to a sleepover with her two best friends from school last Friday. Mm-hmm. Parentheses Penny and parentheses Ginger. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay, her friend's name, or phony names concocted by mom, I'm guessing, are Penny and Ginger. <laughs> okay. Penny's parents went out and left the girls alone. Mm-hmm. They drank some beer. Okay. Jenny and Ginger were sober, but Penny also drank some hard liquor and got very drunk. I found out about it following the Monday after. Wait Penny- a minute. So, sorry. Penny's her kid? No. Her kid is Jenny. I wish you'd have chose farther apart fake names. Yeah. Jenny, Penny, and Ginger. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Jenny is, is, the, is this the lady's daughter. Okay. I found out about it uh, the following Monday after Penny texted my daughter and Ginger to tell them how upset and disappointed her parents were and that they were demanding letters of apology from all three girls. I thought it was over the top, but realized Jenny was in the wrong. Really? <laughs> that same day, Jenny wrote them an email with a heartfelt apology for disrespecting everyone by drinking in their house, for drinking their beer without permission, and for allowing their daughter to get drunk, not being a true friend and trying harder to stop her. Uh-huh. Now, the fifth day after the email was confirmed, received, 
My daughter is disappointed that it was never acknowledged. Betty's parents have been known to be dramatic in past dealings with other students and parents. Will you advise me on what I should do? I feel it should. I feel I should let it go and let Jenny figure out how she should choose her friends. She has ditched a friend who has, wasn't a good influence on her without us forcing her to. Love Jenny's mom in Canada. What the heck? What's the question? Yeah, I'm not even following what she wants <laughs> help with. She told a very long story, and then seemed to be upset that the the parents did not return a "Hey, I got your email about your apology. Love it." And then asked her what she should do because her daughter Jenny has ditched Penny as a friend. And it made it sound like that's a good idea. So I would say if you're okay with her ditching her as a friend, then what are you concerned about whether what the other parents think? Or like whether you got a response or not? Well, well I just... I, I'm you're not the world police. I mean, just you don't have to let it go. If they've severed ties, they've severed ties. If, you're, if you think they should... Uh, continue the relationship, and it's just something they need to work through. Then, yeah, I would follow up with the parents, and, and frankly, it just seems like something we're talking about anyway. Yeah. I, this is this, this whole thing is said very weirdly. If it's if it's maybe Jenny is the one who's upset, then I would just say talk to her about it, because you know there are people that aren't going to answer you in life, but it's how you deal with those experiences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you going to show up back at their house and say, "Look, I I, I got." Did you get my email? Yeah. Or didn't you? <laughs> I drunk at your place. <laughs> You know, well, and here's the thing. I, I, this this is slightly off subject, right? But like, uh, you should have made that apology in person. <laughs> apologies are best delivered in person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Email apologies are lame-o. and so I mean, it's just better to eat that stuff right face to face. And so you wouldn't have had this problem if you went over to her place and and said it to and told the parents. That's right. No ambiguity because you would have been there. Yeah. And yeah. if and if they here's the thing, if they stubbornly refused to open the door and act super childish, that would have answered your question. You'd be like, you know what? <laughs> I can't deal with this. <laughs> They're yeah. not answering. I mean, the door. you did everything you could. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Man, this was disappointing because, frankly, I just didn't feel like there's a question to be had. All right, I'm going to give you a secular, secular's advice. Okay. Secular says, there is plenty of blame to go around. Penny's parents shouldn't have left three teenagers alone with liquor available. Uh, I think that's not true, actually. I, I mean, how old are the kids? Fifteen. I mean... I mean, you left a pot in, you left a, a pot and some spoons in there. They didn't stab themselves with the spoons <laughs> and then kill a dog with the pot. <laughs> I, I mean, you just, you got to teach your kids stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't have liquor in my house or anything, but no, like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not, cons- I wouldn't be concerned about it if I did. No, no. Um, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, while I can't <laughs> blame them for being upset after coming home and finding their two daughters smashed and the other two tiddly, they were wrong to expect Jenny and Ginger to have prevented their daughter from misbehaving. I do not agree that asking for a written apology was over the top, and under the circumstances, I don't think your daughter's letter needed acknowledgement. Let it go. With a firm lecture to your daughter about underage drinking and the consequences that will follow if you find out it happens again. Wait a minute. Did they say that the other parents held, like, her daughter responsible? Uh, yes. Mm. Yes. For allowing Penny to get drunk. Like, I should have been a better friend and, and put the kibosh I on I mean, it. you should have been a better friend, but, like, I wouldn't bring that up being the derelict parent in the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 here's I mean, the, not any derelict. It's not even fair. Like, I, I just think it's... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a life, it's a life lesson, right? Like, how do you deal with things that, that are going on that shouldn't be, right? You try to step in, you try to get them to stop. If they absolutely refuse, then you go, look, I, you know, I guess it's your choice, but I'm not going to be part of it. And then you bail, right? That's basically how it works. She chose to do none of those things. Hmm. She got, according to secular, tiddly, which I assume means a little drunk in old lady, old lady speak. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, next. We, uh, we're going to do one or two more. Uh, let's do one more. Okay, one more. Hold on. i got to go back to that other one that I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about people being upset about vacation cruises. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, here we go. Dear Life from the Path, my husband and I have only recently recovered financially from the economy crashing. We lost our car, our home, and filed bankruptcy. Holy cow. Thankfully, we now have some savings and no debt other than our new home. It has been 10 years since we had a real vacation, so we are planning a cruise. My problem is, I mentioned it to some friends and family members. Four of them have now asked us to bring back souvenirs for them. I feel it's presumptuous. I don't want to spend my vacation running around buying other people's stuff. Am I being overly sensitive, or are they being impolite? And how can I politely refuse? Hey, try this phrase. I politely refuse. <laughs> hey, Ben, ask me if I can get you a souvenir while I'm on my cruise. Hey, Mike, you pick up a souvenir for me while you're on a cruise? I politely refuse. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I did it. <laughs> hey, but you're going somewhere. Doesn't that entail you buying me something? Yeah, noted. <laughs> Who wants this? It's kind of, I mean, here's the thing. It's different. If someone goes somewhere and then is thinking of you and brings you back a souvenir, that's one thing. But to use you as an international deal broker to pick up <laughs> magnets and crapola from other parts of the world, like, that just doesn't seem to have the same, you know, the same benefit. Hey, my friend Ted bought this for me at my behest when he, when he went to Pakistan. Because I told him to. Hey, can you pick me up juicy fruit duty-free? I have a lot of sentimental attachment to this man. Like, it just seems not the same. Uh, yeah, I, I think us as a society has missed the point of the souvenir. Like, hey, I was thinking of you and I brought you this back. Not, hey, can you pick me up some stuff? <laughs> Do they have cheap blankets? <laughs> right, I've mistaken you for an international peddler. <laughs> Give me a trinket. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, here's the deal. If you want to drop hints that you love magnets and hope that they show up with one, I mean, well played, sir. Yeah. But, like, I don't <laughs> Asking for stuff just seems real goofy. <laughs> have you ever had anybody ask to pick you up for, so them to pick you up something while you were, you went to the Philippines, right? Yeah. You'd be like, hey, man, pick me up of this while you're in the Philippines. No. I mean, I hear every once in a while someone said, like, tried to get me to get them to, to buy, like, uh, one of those knockoff iPads. Yeah. Where I is spelled, like, E I Y or E Y E or something, <laughs> uh, and I said no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I, it was like a joke. But uh, there wasn't anybody who's like, oh, you know what I love from the Philippines? <laughs> Shoes. Everything I buy from the Kmart. You know, Shoe like I, <laughs> yeah, no, it just it just didn't it just didn't come up. <laughs> so so what do you say to this lady? She has two questions. Uh, are they being? Uh, is she being overly sensitive, or are they being impolite? And how how can I politely refuse? What do you think? Uh, what do you think is the deal? So I see. So here's legitimately. Here's what I would say: If if I if it was a friend that was close enough to me that was asking me to buy them something when I was over in the Philippines, I would say, friend, or specifically, Bova. Yeah, that's tacky. <laughs> <laughs> that's tacky. What you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> and so, no, I will not do that. You can order Philippine stuff from the from the online. Yeah. Like, what right. do you want me to shepherd it here for you? <laughs> It don't That's make right. sense. I'm not a goods mule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. Here's, yeah, if they're close enough to me, I would say that's tacky. If they're not close enough to me, I, I like, I, I, I don't know, I'd probably say the same thing. It's like, dude, we don't even know each other that well. You asking me to pick you up stuff from overseas. I yeah. Just, it's not going to happen. Why don't you look on Amazon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything, yeah. Jane, what are your thoughts? Are they being impolite? Or are you over, are we overly sensitive to this? No, I don't think. I don't think you're being overly sensitive, no. Um, I think that if they were a good enough friend, they would know not to to expect anything. And, you know, if you were, like, I went to Mexico on a cruise, and nobody asked me bring them a souvenir, but I ended up bringing my brother something just because I know him. 
he's very he loves specific things. So of course, yeah, I, I bought him a souvenir. Yeah. But I think if it's a friend, um, I don't know. It depends on how close my friend is. Um, I had one friend that I actually I did bring her a souvenir as well, but it's because she's she can't travel outside the United States. She has medical issues, so yeah, I brought her something because it was it was personal. Yeah. So I I don't think that she's being overly sensitive. No. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between you being generous and then you becoming someone's employee. <laughs> yeah, forced, forced generosity yeah. or part of their distribution network of worldly yeah. goods. Yeah, Plus, right. with Amazon shipping, you can get it pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. All right, you want to hear Secular's advice? Yeah, yeah. Secular it. says, you are not overly sensitive. Tell those folks that your excursion schedule will be tight and you won't have time to do much shopping. Don't lie. Yeah, yeah I hate when you're lying. No, that's a lie. You say, I politely refuse. <laughs> Listen here. You go on a, I've, I've been on a cruise. You got time. That is the nature yes. of the cruise is so that you have time and well, you sit about and do well, whatever that you want to do. And they have gift shops right on the cruise ship too. So yeah. Yeah. See, now you are insulting them. They're like, I had plenty of free time. I was just not willing to spend any of it on you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's, that's totally unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the deal. Uh, so it says, uh, tell those folks that your excursion schedule will be tight and you won't have time to do much shopping, even for yourselves. It's the truth, I'll bet. No. P.S. And when you return, be discreet about flashing any souvenirs you pick up for yourself along the way. That, that's crap living. Yeah. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Show people what you got. That's the cool part of going. I went there. I brought back this to remind me of my time. What kind of low-level friends do you got that are like, Ugh, I can't believe you <laughs> bought yourself a shirt and didn't bring me anything. You jerk face. <laughs> You need new friends. Shoo, man. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. This this is uh this is how you separate we from chef right here. Exactly. <laughs> Souvenirs <laughs> on your cruise. Yeah, I heard you went across town. You didn't pick me up nothing? <laughs> yeah. Not even a stick of gum? You could at least stop by the ATM and got an erroneously a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> got me a couple hundred. <laughs> you know what? The Feldmans are out. <laughs> We're no longer dealing with the Feldmans. <laughs> Well, that's rough times. Hey, All right. this is end of times. This, 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 yeah, the end is near. Why could the Lord even put up with this? He's like, humanity's gone afoul. That's right. I created all things for good, and look at these fools. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. That's uh, that's good advice. We're changing the world one piece of advice at a time in our life from the path. Uh, if you, hey, if you need advice, good night. Do not send it to Late Night Internet Radio. No, man. Uh, but, I mean, if your level of desperation knows no bounds, shoot us an email, info at lifefromthepath.org. Uh, and we will do our very best to answer that question. And, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, get, get some accountability guys or some, uh, legit friends, church family, um, random nice looking lady from the street. Certainly we'll do a better job, higher quality than what we're going to come up with. I mean, here's the thing, Ben. The, the, the folks of old, at the worst, they were like, we should build a really tall building up to the sky and maybe touch the Lord's clouds. <laughs> and this is what humanity, this is the depths of humanity. Let's build a building. Let's build a real tall building. Let's build it so big that we don't need God anymore, and then we can look upon it. And this was our imagination. Now we got people sitting around at their place and be like, did you know that Phil went to Canada? And guess what? He came back with nothing for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is terrible. We used to try to build our own kingdom. Right. Now we try to get other people to do it. Right. This guy's like, I sat on my butt this whole time. Yeah. And got nothing for it. Yeah. <laughs> and Phil's out there sweating it out across yeah. the United States and bringing me nothing. That's terrible. This couch doesn't crease itself. All right. Uh, hey, you're listening to Live from the Path. Uh, big thanks to Jane Bach for coming in the studio. Thank you, Jane. You're welcome. Uh, welcome back anytime. You can find out more information about Jane again by going uh, searching for her on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, I'll post a link to her uh, her Facebook page on our Facebook page. What's the What's the Twitter handle? It's just Jane Block. B L B L O K. Yep. 
That's it. Hey, that's a sweet way to say it. I'm Jane B L O K. Ben? No. No. Okay, it's not the hip at all. Don't Here's use the deal. it. If that was cool, that's how Jane would have done it. Yeah, was, she would have done that it day longer than I. That's know. right. I you're trying it on, and you're wearing it wrong. <laughs> Mike Block, B L O K. No, it's not right. It's all not right. right. Uh, all right, we're gonna cut you loose here. But as you go, uh, I want you to leave you with uh, this new cut from uh, Egypt Ali, uh, and you can find more by her if you go to uh, Facebook and search for Egypt Speaks. And uh, you'll find her page and give that a follow. All kinds of interesting stuff generally going on in her world. Uh, but the Cathedral's album is coming out on April 1st. And uh, I'm going to give you a listen to um, uh, the track As I Am. And so dig on that, and we will see you next week. Uh, in the meantime, be faithful in ends. Nope. Nope. Be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. Sprouting upward through the darkness and into my mind Waging a fight behind and inside my brain Waning under pressure to make sure that I wasn't caught in the wind of all of my thoughts And all the boxes locked away and buried like corpses Negotiating with memories to determine what type of land that they'll own And what the headstone on their real estate will read But these stones are heavy, weighing endlessly On the back of someone with enough baggage to make even Southwest Airline cringe at the best of my packing arrangements, staring at labels and wondering about their placement. My heart is a compartment of chests and cabinets ornately hanging from their arteries and marked appropriately for their contents. With comments under tents in a refugee camp placed perfectly above my throat, waiting to be sent to somewhere better with more hope. But trapped in the disarray of the siege roaring behind my face that keeps pace with the machine gun fire of my thoughts ambushed in the nighttime. Praying for quiet within my mind I'm still looking for an armistice to assist in the peace negotiations When will the fight finally cease? Letting the blind finally see Where is the person who is willing to accept me?
and aching from the shaking of the breaking of earthquakes that ring the barriers between the fractured cells of my being. So I will run uncasted ankles, pointing broken fingers towards the cure, the great physician who forces away any condemning pair of splinting souls spending for themselves after having their heels crush the head of the opposition by the will of your hand. I think I understand. I get it now. I was never meant to use blue for you to stick around because I am stuck in the presence of your love like surround sound. Divorce papers thrown on the ground now. You have taken all of my confessions and you have made me whole. Accepted my handshakes and called me beautiful. You gave an orphan a choir, told her that she's home. You've taken all of my brokenness, unafraid of my mess, and made it a message, your monument from the wreckage. Take it all away. Till it's only you inside I know I'm still a mess But I know that it's in you I will find peace when the world is in storm Refuge when I'm not sure where I belong You will take all of these boxes And tell me I'm so lovely You saved all of my messages You told me you were proud of me I come to find you and healing Because I know that you still can I am here because of all that you are And nothing that I am I'm coming in.